0: Okay, all the way from Kansas, we've got Mr. Luke Brazel. The Sazzle Dazzle Brazel. Yeah. How are you tonight, Luke?
1: Oh, well, pretty good,
0: pretty good. You're not blown away out there, are you? I mean, Kansas is blowing 30 mile an hour, mm-hmm. seems like, every day. No, it's pretty hot right now. And, of course, when it's hot, you can't get any wind. So. Yeah. Yeah. But no it I, hasn't I, been I actually had a cool day here today had a nice little cold front come through and it was actually nice, nice. it's still hot but yeah i'm ready yeah. i'm
1: ready for fall <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah uh, it's like next week's supposed to get back down to 80s and some rain so hopefully it got some release there but have you guys been dry over there it's been fairly dry the last few weeks yeah huh. and it just comes in spells it'll it'll you know every couple of weeks will cool off a little bit and rain and then we'll get back in the hundreds again. And yeah. And like I said, you know, next week's supposed to cool off again and change of the rain. So. Yeah. We've been getting dumped
0: on rain a lot. Really? Yeah. A lot of rain in July. No rain in
2: June.
1: Yeah. See, we had all the rain in June. Okay. And, And then early July, but yeah, mid July from, from about mid July on to now it's been pretty, pretty scarce, but. Yeah, right on.
0: Well, hey, man, tonight we're going over favorite tree stand locations and your favorite, your go-to spot and a spot that you're really looking forward to hunting either this year or in the near future that you've had your eye on. So first I want to break down uh, and have you go over your go-to favorite spot. And I got a feeling I know this is probably where you might have shot jacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So – can you break down this spot kinda what we're what we're looking at and um, I'll kinda just ask you some questions about it as we go through.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, it's just my uncle's ground. I've had it. I think I, the first year I had it out was two thousand and eight. Uh, and I rifle hunted back then and just kinda set up in the corner and just kinda trying to learn everything I could about the property and it wasn't until about two thousand I think 2010 is when I first started bow hunting and, uh, this 80 acres its it's really rectangular and it doesn't go very far north to south, but east to west is, is really long. And basically the east side of it is almost the only spot you can access it. So the, the west side is all landlocked and it's just, you know, it, it opens up into bigger, bigger ag fields and, the creek is, you know, really steep and cliffed out there with not much timber. So basically, I'm hunting pretty much basically 40 acres of this 80-acre of this piece. A uh, creek runs north and south of it, too. And it's, it's just so cliffed out in most areas that you can't really cross it very good. And I've kind of found that when those creeks are that steep and, and, and cliffed out, that if you can find a spot where they are crossing that, it almost works to your advantage. It's almost like a pinch point, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of how I set up on the property is I'm on the eastern side of this 40 acre, or 80 acres, and that, that creek bank is basically right behind me. I've got, got a tree stand right on the edge of that creek bank, and it's just really cliffed out. And then basically... 20 to 30 yards is a main trail where they cross that creek from, from basically from West side of the property to the East side of the property. And it's, I, I set that, that stand up back in 2010 and it is just stuck, you know, and a uh, smaller property like that. I really didn't want to, you know, hang multiple stands. And like I said, it's just, it ends up working. So, you know, if it's not broke, you know, don't fix it. But, Basically, yeah. when you enter in that property, it's just from the road. And there's an old, like, just a, basically a, a, a two-track where people have just, you can drive in and out, basically. And that's kind of my access to where I walk in and out. And uh, as you walk in, always, a north wind is is, is great for this property. There's, there's a, a secluded ag field inside of this. And all the the proper, all the ground to the north and east is just basically thick timber. And, you know, I try to stay out of that as much as I possibly can. Because that's where you think they're bedding, right? Yes. That's where basically 90% of the deer come out and feed. Okay. They come from that that timber up in there. You know, every evening, basically every morning too, you know, they're coming out of that timber into the attic to feed. And... Primarily it's been I've hunted it for well since two thousand eight and it has been soybeans in that field every year. And they extended up He hasn't rotated No, it just it's never it's that never rotated. I don't know why. It's Whoa. just always been always been beans. That's crazy. And this year is the first year they actually they planted Milo on it. So it's a little different, you know, I'm not used to really having any milo around, it's always four beans, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the area I hunt. And so this year has been a little different. Uh, I can kind of tell with some of buck pictures, it's been pretty scarce. And I, I, I'm kind of guessing that's you know, why, yeah. Cause, you know, how deer and the beans are, you know, in the summertime, is really good. So, yep. Yep. So that, so that's, that's with change a little
0: bit but yeah for sure i'm sure that's a game changer it'd be interesting to see though during the fall what actually transpires there right um but my question is so you're you talk about this creek bank that's cliffed out are you using this creek bank cliffed out as the behind you to where they can't get behind you is that your goal is that what you're yeah okay all right and so you want everything out in front of you
1: that's kind of how it acts like that's how i set it up and i didn't really need to do it it kind of was an eye opener you know because a lot of the deer do not come from behind me and that's kind of what i want because i want a north wind in my face and all that that south wind is blowing my scent down in that creek where it really clipped out and i don't see hardly any deer down in there so it just it works out perfectly you know and uh it just like i said it kind of keeps the deer you know basically in front of me where they can't ever you know shoot me or whatever from behind right so all my shots are going to be yeah basically
0: in front of me so and that timber to the north of you i remember seeing in the video it looked like it was just thick and gnarly it
1: is, uh, it is invasive, very thick.
0: invasive and just everything just cluster
1: yeah yeah it does get pretty thick there's some a good patch of cedars in there too and it's just yeah uh it's just kind of left alone you know i don't i try not to be in there as much as I possibly can, but you know, being my uncle's property, uh, get, they they go in there and they cut a little firewood here and there. So I mean, but they've done it, this for so long that it just I think the deer is so used to it, you know. Yeah. I always get you know upset. Like man, they're in there cutting firewood and they're messing everything up. But honestly, it's it's like they just they're just so used to it, and you know. Yep. That's about the same thing here it. with
0: um, with uh, side by sides and golf carts. My family likes right. to ride those yeah. ride a lot, but honestly, they don't care. Right. I mean, it could be yeah. minutes later and they'll come out. Crazy. Exactly. Definitely yeah. crazy, but hey, so that is an incredible spot. Definitely going hand in hand with this common trend with everyone that we've had on so far. But yeah. what do you do? You have a spot in mind that you're wanting to hunt or you're excited about hunting either this year or in the near future and kind of describe what that looks like.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I had a, I just got access to a new property back in 2020 and I had it for two years and I just lost it this spring. And it's basically totally different from what I'm used to hunting. It is, uh, primarily just pasture grass and, uh, Draws deep deep wooded draws, and there's not ag within, I'd say, you know, two or three miles. And so, I kind of approached it a little different, you know, since there's not a whole lot of food source there. But in Kansas, we're able to throw out, you know, bait, uh, supplemental feed, whatever you want to call it. And that's kind of another tool that I kind of was able to use too. But basically, this was just an 80-acre piece, and – it had basically two kind of big hay meadows in it and everything else was kind of just uh, fence rows and a little bit of timber and kind of just the first year I kind of sat up on uh, basically on the med- edge of the meadow and kind of faced south where the thicker timber was and kind of thought that that's where all the deer would be coming from is the thicker timber. So that was basically a south land stand. And sure enough, a lot of the deer came from the south and, just kind of work the edges of the, of the hay meadow. Well, 2021, the, the last year I had it, I never hunted it because I was on that farm, Jason Jacks. But there was there was a, a lone oak tree that kind of, kind of sat out from the edge of the main timber. It's kind of out by itself. And I'm like, you know what? I want to try and do a mock scrape on this oak tree. So I kind of trimmed some of the lower branches and kept one main low, you know, lower branch. And I ended up making a box scrape on this and hung a camera on it. And 20 yards away, there was a really big cedar tree. So I hung a stand in that and I was super excited about it. And like I said, I never hunted it because I was on a different farm chasing jacks, but I kept my camera on it all year. And I would say the week of Thanksgiving, was absolutely insane on that scrape, that mock scrape. I had multiple shooters in daylight working that scrape and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, a huge eye opener. I've been, you know, pretty conservative, never really messed with scrapes and just kinda let, you know, everything happen naturally and but after doing that it was a huge eye opener. And uh ended up losing that property like I said this spring. But the only good thing about that is There's a 350-acre piece straight south of that, and it's walk-in hunting. It's public. So I'm kind of excited about that, and I'm going to basically try and get on to that piece this fall and kind of mimic exactly what I did on that piece I just lost. You know, I'm going to try and get basically as close as I legally can to where that property line is, and there's a little, little corner there, and... Either I can make a mock scrape or do some kind of, you know, make a tree kind of stand out in the middle and kind of be a focal point and hopefully, you know, mimic what I did on that place I lost. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, uh, but um, honestly, looking at Onyx to where I could set up and toward my existing mock scrape I just did is within 300 yards. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Just a big patch of timber separates from where I can be at on public to where my old, old, old old spot was.
0: No kidding.
1: So yeah, I kind of excited about that. Um, Like I said, I had it for two years and the week of Thanksgiving, I don't know what, what it was, but that's when the biggest mature bucks were in daylight. So I kind of keep that in the back of my mind too. Is you know, come Thanksgiving, week of Thanksgiving, I probably need to be (laughs) down, down in that area and hopefully maybe hunting over a moss scrape and, and, and So,
0: yeah, for sure. So new experience, uh, looks like for this year hunting some public.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've never, never tried it, but it's just going to be, I know it's in the area, you know, so it's kind of hard not to, kind of hard not to try it. So you're already close to it. Yep.
0: Yep. For sure. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what you uh, you can tag out of there. I I, I got a feeling you'll you'll connect on one. I it's hope so. Matter of time, and and I'm really interested to see too what uh, shows up on that on that Milo field. You know if
1: uh, yeah I if am really
0: affected them throughout the fall, or if that's going to change. You know when they shed their velvet and they make their fall shift. Right. Yeah. Yep. Really uh, interested in hearing that, but. Anyway, I appreciate you hopping on tonight, Luke. Those are some awesome spots, and looking forward to seeing what you can get done this year. And, uh, yeah, thanks for hopping on, dude. Yep, no problem. All right, take care, Luke.
1: Yep, see ya.
0: All right, now on the phone, got Jake Vance on the phone. How are you tonight, man? Oh, not too bad. Just editing. My eyes are burning. I hear you. Seems like that's all I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. But yeah. we got some good stuff coming up for guys. Uh, watching our Team Radical web show either on YouTube or on Facebook or check us out on Instagram too. Jake's been nailing out a whole bunch of reels. so. Um, but anyway, tonight what we're talking about is favorite tree stands. And basically the spot that is your go-to spots, spot or spots. And kind of breaking, breaking that down for us, uh, kind of giving us an idea of what that looks like. So I'll leave it, leave you with that. Your, your favorite spot. Can you describe it? What, what it looks like? Well, usually it's where the big deer are. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I have
3: yet to find that spot, but, uh, when I do, um, no, but I, I do have one spot. It's, it's easy to get to, and the only thing about it is I need to hunt it on a south wind. So I got the, the big ridge that comes down into a bottom. And the point of this ridge, it comes down to a point where the creek is about 30 yards. So it's a really good pinch point there. And those bucks come rut. They're circling right on the edge of that point and scent checking for does in that bedding area. Uh, The only bad part about that is it's a long walk through the timber. So it takes me uh, like an hour and a half, just a slow walk. So I prefer kind of a windier South wind day, which usually South winds are pretty ripping for wind. Last year it was windy every day. So
0: Gotcha. So Uh, this is pretty much in the heart of a timber
3: Uh, I'd say it's about 200 yards in the timber, but I mean, that time of year when I want to hunt it, I mean, the leaf litter is just unreal. And if we hadn't had a rain, it's pretty noisy getting in there, but I've had a lot of success. I've only hunted it probably three or four times just because I only go in there on the right wind during the rut. Um, I killed my buck two years ago there and then I only hunted that spot once last year and had... Oh, in a counter with four or five bucks, um, just like clockwork, rounding that ridge right on the point of
0: that ridge and going and scent checking for does. So does the point of this ridge go down into the bottom, I'm assuming?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it goes down into a big cottonwood thicket. Um, it used to be an ag field. Now it's all grown up. And then um, I'm right on that pinch where that point comes down to the to a big creek there. And they really don't cross that big creek, so they just round that round that point and scent check into that bedding area.
0: Gotcha. So you think it's right by the bedding area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm in pretty tight there. Okay. And you said you need a south wind, preferably a little uh, breezier day, breezy day, so that way uh, covers your noise getting in, uh, so your access and exit kind of sounds a little shady. Uh, oh, it is. It walk, is, for sure. Walking through the timber, <laughs> but yeah. during the right time of the year, you know, it's um, probably everything's exploding and going really fast.
3: Yeah, and and I can get away with walking through that timber because that, that cottonwoods are so thick that the deer don't even like walking through it. Up I mean, on, it's,
0: up on top or or down the bottom. You're
3: no, I I come I come in through the bottom. Oh, okay, got gotcha. you. So I'll come in. I'll come in from the north and um, just kind of weasel my way through that thick cottonwood
0: thicket um, and get right on the edge of that bedding area. So is that where you think they're betting that then too in the bottom? It's a no. They're not betting in that
3: bottom. They're they're up on that ridge. Um, it's a big doe bedding area. Um, be to the south of the stand and then those bucks they are just cruising for does at that time and um, they just like to cruise that north side like middle of that ridge and then they round that point um scent checking for those does because they can round that ridge and smell that whole bedding area just by walking that middle of that ridge
0: okay so So, so it sounds like the the ridge up higher is a lot more open right
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more open. Uh, there's some honeysuckle in there. Um, but it's not super thick and it's just a huge doe bedding area that we maybe shed hunt at once and we don't have a stand in there. We don't even go in there.
0: So more than likely they, they bed down on top of that ridge. So they had the the vantage point of being able to see, um, the, the bottom direction and whatever, what's to the, what's to the South of that then?
3: Uh, to the south of that is our food plot, um, and then it's timber for uh, – there's probably five 600 acres of timber and creek. Um, it's a huge block of timber.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Sounds like a cool spot. Uh, any other spots you can think of that are your, your favorite or one, been one of your best in the past?
3: Uh, Well, when I get this 360 put together, that's going to be my – My go-to, I can just go in there and kick up my feet and wait. I got my food plot planted yesterday, hoping to get that rain last night, and shocking, we missed it. So the turkeys are probably cleaning me out right now. Yeah, yeah,
0: I hear you. I hear you. Okay, well, going forward, I guess you kind of described with the 360, but uh, is there any other spot going forward for this season that you're looking forward to hunting that you maybe have it in the past that you think is going to be a really good spot.
3: There is an area I just picked up a lease that connects to my lease now that I think it's going to be really good. Um, It's a bean field that it's a, at the back of this bean field, it's a super steep ridge that leads down to a Creek bottom and the point of this bean field is it leads up to this ridge. And probably from the point of that bean field to that same big creek is 40 yards. And I went and l- looked at it as soon as we leased it. And there is trails like you wouldn't believe, probably five or six heavy paths coming to one path there right in that pinch point in the access you couldn't ask for a better access you just go through that open bean field because that ridge is so steep that those deer aren't bedding on that they're they're farther back in the timber in the bedding area
0: okay so you can walk right across the bean field or and your are yep. probably, well, probably going to be hot wheeling it on that e-bike yep yep <laughs> gotta try to figure out how to get it back to my car i did it once <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. You need a you need a hitch thingy for the back of your car. I know I'm gonna put that on my, my Christmas list. There you go. So put it on your wedding but, registry. You're supposed to get married pretty soon. Just put that well, on. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> People will be like, What in the world? Jake and Jill are gonna go biking. You're like, yeah, no, that's for me hunting.
3: <laughs> oh, I think I got I got to pick out one thing and I think it was cast iron skillets. So nice. (laughs) Can't go go wrong with those either. Yeah. But no, I'm super excited for this spot. I mean, it's, it's one of the best pinch points. I, I called my buddy who I lease it with. And I go, this is the best pinch point I've ever seen in my life. Like that steeper Ridge with open bean field and the access is just unbelievable. And the amount of traffic that goes to that one point, it connects two big. It connects two big chunks of timber, um, with the major bedding area being to the north. The smaller bedding area to the south um, that leads to a big river bottom that the deer kind of just spread out from that pinch point. So um, all the traffic's kind of going right into that area. So would that put you up higher or lower? Um, I I have two trees in mind. One is about smack dab in the middle Um, it's in the bottom area below the ridge and then there's another one about halfway up the ridge I kind of want to be able to shoot that bean field too in case they cut that bean field so I'll probably do that because I mean really the longest shot to the creek is going to be 30 yards all right but you know me and my ADD I'd You'll, change, I can't you'll pick, change
0: that spot about ten times.
3: Yeah, but I can't pick a tree, so yeah. that's why I need to bring my buddy in to just tell me what tree put in.
0: Oh shoot. Well cool. That sounds like a an awesome spot and also a good spot for probably hanging a trail camera. I mean if it's pinched oh down, yeah. If it's pinched down that tight, you know, putting a good reveal cell camera in there, you could probably get quite a bit of intel right there.
3: Yep, and there was an old, I could tell there was an old scrape there, so I'm going to spruce it up and hang a pine
0: branch in there and get a camera on it probably this weekend. So, Right on. Well, cool. I'm excited to see what comes to that spot and your go-to spots as well. So, Yeah, it's shaping up to be a good one. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll let you get back to doing some more editing, and thanks for hopping on here, man. All righty, buddy. Take it easy. Yep, see you. Okay, now on the phone, I've got Josh Christensen on the phone. How are you, man? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Sounds like uh, you had a little road trip here, what was it, last week?
1: Yeah, it was over the weekend. Over the weekend, um, okay. Yep. I made a trip to uh, Effingham from Tennessee, picked up the new blind from uh, uh, Steve and uh, Justin, but Steve helped me load it, and then we shot over to your place, picked up some Green Mountain Grill stuff, and then back to my dad's house in Pike County, Missouri. Stayed the weekend with Sean, and then headed back here,
0: Tennessee. Man, that's a that's a good trip.
1: Yeah, about that first Friday night was I think nine hours on the road. It was it was Ooh. quite the run. Did
0: you go by yourself, or did your wife Taylor go with you?
1: Taylor came with me.
0: Awesome, awesome. So you had some company. Well, did, yep. you, did you get some stuff accomplished, in Other than picking up that stuff, did you get some stuff accomplished?
1: Yeah, we sprayed uh, probably close to three acres of clover with Clefidem. Uh While I was up there, I hauled my side-by-side side with a 40-gallon sprayer on it and got that taken care of. Uh, he had mowed it earlier last week, and we come over top with some queth. And hopefully, he actually told me today, it, it's killed most of it off in the last couple of days. So
0: it's looking good. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, tonight, well, first of all, if you guys didn't know, Josh is from Tennessee. Uh, Him and his wife live in Tennessee, and they got a pretty cool property there. But I know you also hunt quite a bit with uh, Sean McCrory in Missouri as well. So tonight's topic, we are talking about our favorite stand locations that we have on the properties that we hunt. And then we're also talking about this spot that you're looking forward to to hunting the most this year. So with that being said, can you give us a breakdown of your favorite go-to spot, uh, let's say in Tennessee or whatever state that has really proven itself true over the years
1: to you? So my favorite spot would be this 70 acres Taylor and I purchased back in 2020 in Northwest Tennessee. It's uh, nearly all woods, that's a there's a pretty good creek that runs dead center of it and it's got two branches that actually fork out to the north and the south side of it um it's got a big i would call it a ravine it's got bluffs on both sides and right dead center of the property runs about a three acre bottom land that's been i guess the previous owners had put a garden in there and uh wow, last couple that's of years a big, that's a big garden <laughs> It is. Yeah. I don't know if they, yeah, they had it all fenced off with a electric fence. And that's the only thing I could think of. They were doing because I talked to neighbors and they said they didn't have any livestock. So my only guess is they had a big garden down there. Wow. Yeah. That's huge.
0: But, uh, it's a Go ahead. So, so that bottom land, you, I'm guessing turned that into a food plot. I did.
1: Yeah. Uh, I do roughly an acre, acre and a half in clover with that real-world wildlife clover and chicory. And then the last two years, the other I've put in the harvest salad.
0: Right on. Okay. And so break down, you know, why this bottom works. I mean, are the deer better inside of it or why is this spot so good? Is your access and exit really good? I mean, break it down for me.
1: The access and exit isn't the greatest. You have to hit hunt it. Basically, I've only been in there during the rut when everything's in full swing. And down here, that's late November, nearly Thanksgiving. But uh, it, you sneak in. I have a uh, wood box blind that I get into that we had uh, homemade. And uh, try to keep our scent from swirling off and down these bottoms. But it's just that main creek is about a, it's about the biggest woods in it, probably a mile, mile and a half. And they run those that creek ridge up and down like crazy. We typically see twice as many bucks as does in there because they're always running up and down the ridge. And uh, if you recall two years ago, that's where Taylor killed two bucks out of the same plot within the first week of us ever hunting the property.
0: Yeah, that's an awesome episode. You guys can watch that on our YouTube channel. That's a that's a good year. That's a good start to a, a new property.
1: Yeah, especially the first property we've ever either one of us have ever purchased. It's it really sat, It's real satisfying to put in the work and have your own piece of ground and it all come together.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like owning your own own pay dirt. That's for sure. You can do whatever you want, and nobody can tell you what to do. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's right it's awesome so with this uh food plot laying down this bottom is this creek on one side of it and a bluff on the other side is that kind of how i'm envisioning this
1: the it'd be the west side the creek it runs on the west side of the plot and it goes there's probably 20 20 yards worth of bottom land that's still trees it's uh kind of a low land and then it goes up to a bluff on the west side and then it's a gradual hillside to the east and we're looking in the, in the stand you're looking due south about uh, 250 yards as far as you can see and they bed on the typically on this particular place on the east side so you when you when we go to the hunt it typically we try to stay all day try to get in there before daylight and stay because they uh, like to come down there and feed after they've all hit the crop field and come in and just mosey around most of the day.
0: Yeah. So is this spot more of a rifle spot or bow spot?
1: I have never bow hunted it. Okay. I don't, it'd be, it's going to be extremely hard I think because of the wind, mm-hmm. but, uh, cause it swirls down these bottoms really bad. But, uh, after I get back from Missouri, typically we come down here and i Pretty well designate this ground to get Taylor her deer.
0: So gotcha. So basically, you you don't have to try to pinch them down near as hard as what you would if you're bow hunting. Um, Correct. Since you since you've got a rifle in hand. Yep. Okay. Yep. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, so with that being said, is there a spot that you have in mind for this year that you're super excited about hunting, and kind of give us the layout of that and the breakdown of that if you if you do have one.
1: Yeah, so uh, Sean's picked up this ground. It's, it's probably been eight, seven or eight years ago. He uh, ended up meeting this lady, and she gave us permission to hunt it. Um, it's a bunch of rolling hills and draws. There's not any actually big timber on it. Everything that's uh, not planted is the draws running up and down the the hillsides. Uh, about. I would say this is the northwest corner. The elevation changes, I think, 2 to 250 foot and about 300 yards. It's a giant knoll. And we picked up that 360 blind last Friday, and we're going to put it at the base of that knoll where we're always getting busted because of wind. The, anything west, it doesn't blow true whatsoever. So, we plan on getting that 360 in there and, uh, hopefully keep the windows shut and we can capitalize on a deer we've been chasing in the last three years. Okay. So, how does, does, is
0: this, I mean, wide open or is this more of a gun spot, bow spot or?
1: So, three, three ridges come together and at the bottom of this knoll and, uh, if you recall, I think it was seventeen. Sean shot that eight pointer from like forty-five foot out of this giant pecan tree. Yes. So exactly. we're gonna put it. We're gonna we're gonna put it in that general area to try to keep them. Because the issue is, whenever you're sitting there, the wind somehow, someway goes up on this mill, No matter what wind direction it is, it makes its way up there. So you have to pick basically pick your where your thermals are dropping. in order to hunt it and uh sean had a couple encounters with this deer that we're after i seen him once last year and he told me yesterday the neighbor a picture of him and he's blown up to a giant 10 pointer so we uh hopefully get that 360 in there in the next couple weeks and uh see how that goes
0: yeah cool so were you guys able to get the 360 put together or did you just drop it off and Put it together later.
1: Just had just had enough time to drop it off. I have to make a trip back up and try to help him get it together and run it out there with a skid steer or tractor with forks on it.
0: Yep. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey man, some pretty cool spots and looking forward to seeing what you guys can get done out of that three sixty this year. I mean, it sounds like a yeah cool spot and definitely no question about it. Those three sixties help contain your your scent a lot better than just yes. sitting in a tree stand. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, you can seal them up pretty dang tight. Um, that,
1: that was the biggest thing with that pecan tree. We try to get as high as we can to maybe cover up some upward draft that would take it away from us. And there's, there's no way to hunt this without – there's no perfect wind, unfortunately, when it seems like the deer always want to go there for that reason, because if a, a mature deer knows – he could be in that little nook, at the bottom of that knoll, and see and or smell any, any direction around him, so.
0: Yeah. So, is your access it, and exit good to get to this spot then?
1: It is. Last year, it was in Millet. You could easily walk down, hit the, the ditch, and walk within 20 yards of the stand, hop out of the ditch, and straight up the tree. Perfect. Uh, yep, it's it's awesome. Entr- entrance and exit on that stand. Awesome.
0: Well, hey, man, those are some cool spots. Looking forward to seeing what you guys can get done there. And uh, thanks thanks a lot for hopping on tonight. And yes, sir. And we're going to hop on now with Mr. Reese Waddington. So you guys have a good night. Tell Taylor I said hello. And Thank you. Look forward to hearing from I will. you soon, man. That'll work. All right, see you, will talk to you later. Thanks. We'll
1: see you. Bye. All
0: right, now on the phone we have Mr. Newlywed, Reese Waddington, on the phone. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you, Kyle? Pretty good. How was the honeymoon?
2: It was great. Um, I'm not one to sit on a beach for a week straight, especially during August whenever I'm getting Snapchats of people putting food plots in and thinking about all the stuff or all the food plots, I guess, and deer-related stuff I have to do back home. But all in all, it was great. (laughs) Yeah, wives think that you're probably looking at other girls or thinking
0: about other girls You know, walking around on the beach. It's like, no, actually... We're thinking about deer hunting.
2: <laughs> it, yeah. If you, uh, she caught me zoned out a few times and she had to say stuff a couple of times and I was like, Oh yeah. And she's like, well, what are you doing? And you think, and the funny thing is she, she knows me too well. Cause she goes, well, what are you thinking about all this stuff you have to do whenever you get back home? You're supposed to be relaxing. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh man. We are
0: cut from the same cloth there. Definitely. I'm not a beach person whatsoever. About yeah, it was half a day for me. The first, is usually about plenty.
2: Yeah, yeah. The first couple of days I was good, and then about about day two and a half, three. I was like, already something new. <laughs> yep, I hear you. Well, hey man,
0: tonight we're talking about our favorite go-to spots that have been the old faithful, reliable over the years. Uh, tree stand locations, and then we're also talking about a new spot that you might have for this year that you're really looking forward to. So with that being said, I want to hop right into it. Can you give me a breakdown of a spot that has been your go-to or a just an incredible spot over the years for you?
2: Yeah, so I've actually kind of I've got it's it's on on one specific farm. I've got two stands that are always my go-to, but one is more so than the other just due to I can only hunt one of them during a certain wind basically i need a south wind only to hunt one stand but that stand on a south wind is unbelievable in this form i've got so I'll, i guess i'll just start with that one first because it doesn't get hunted much um yeah but um it's basically so it used to be down and it's down this big bottom ground of this farm i got and it was surrounded by like a thicket on three, two and a half, three sides of it is just straight thicket buck bedding, buck cruising spot. It's, uh, about a hundred yards away to the east is a big, big, big creek bottom, and then bucks just love cruising it during basically October twentieth. It's probably the earliest I've ever sat it. If I had a if I had a south wind, I think it's only happened once. Um, but generally from there into november to through both shotgun seasons um it's pretty hot but uh so basically what it boils down to is i've only hunted that sandwich granite i've had more south winds than what i've hunted it just been on different farms that had those winds but in this specific spot i've hunted it probably a total of eight to ten times in the past two years and i have killed a buck out of there and i have actually passed two bucks that were just a hair too young and i've passed two shooters that i could not get on camera in there within a limited of eight to a dozen sits i mean that spot if you can hunt on a south wind during that time frame wow. it for some reason is just untouchable so why is, that, the, why, is
0: it, why is this spot so good i mean is your access and exit good does it so,
2: does it narrow it down or how do, how's the spot layout I've actually I got so yeah so it's it's down it's kind of like in the what I would consider like a core area of my farm, which makes access really hard until I got permission from the neighbor who has a cow pasture that basically gets up within eighty yards of it so if I hunt those. That's where the south wind comes into play. If I hunt that stand with the south wind, I cut through his his cow pasture, and not a single deer in his pasture is actually it's to the hills kind of caddy corner to my spot. So if I cut straight across this cow pasture on a south wind to get to this stand, I am only walking through eighty to a hundred yards of my timber, and it's on the I'm fortunate where his cow pasture is, it lays on the side that is not a thicket getting to that stand. So access and exit is just extremely easy there. With that being said, all the deer that surround it have no clue that I'm coming in there. So it's it's like I'm not not even there. And the likelihood or what I've experienced of deer getting downwind of me in that spot is like slim to none. For some reason, they do not, it's it's real, the side that's not thicket, it's it's not like a open timber um, necessarily, but there's not much undergrowth. So, it's pretty wide open and pr- they just, they stick real close to that thicket. Gotcha. So, so I, they don't really try
0: to come around you on the pasture side is what you're saying?
2: No, okay. no. I have had um, a total of, I don't know, maybe... Maybe a dozen deer at most come down there. And generally, when that happens, it's during the rut, and there's like three spikes and then a decent buck or like a three year old chasing one doe. And everybody know, knows how that gets. I mean, it's just haywire. There's deer running everywhere. Yep. Yep. For sure. But so, what we did to enhance it, and I'm not much of a gambling man in a situation like that, but. I talked to a couple neighbors trying to figure out why that's about so But I'm fortunate on that farm. My, all of my neighbors are super great on management and making sure, you know, helping get, helping deer get to the maturity age. Um, they're just not out there. You know, if it's Brown, it's down or, Oh, that's a nice, you know, 140, 150 inch three pointer. I mean, or 140, 150 inch, you know, three year old, they're not out there just hammering that. So the deer down there have a pretty good shot of getting to a decent maturity age, you know, good rack, good age, and everything. So I took the gamble because in that specific area it was just a pass through spot. But with all the bedding that surrounds it, I figured that it had to be holding those deer, you know, if if not year round, a lot longer than what I was hunting it. What I what the trail cameras were picking up everything else so um last february i believe me and two buddies went in there and we opened up in the middle of it a big i don't know probably 40 by 80 yard food plot we cut trees down clear brush out and what we did is we we kind of stacked that in a wall to kind of make a funnel Mm -hmm. and so far as velvet season is come or as velvet season's here, and the deer are traveling granite, you know this is nowhere near close to what they're going to be doing here in another month or two. But as of right now, they have found the food plot down in the mix of all the thickets, and they seem right at home there. So this year might get a little crazy if we have several south winds. Nice. So the the food plot, if anything, is going to pinch
0: them down a little closer yet for you.
2: Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's what I was trying to target there with that food plot. So down there, like I said, there were, the creek was like a hundred yards away. So from my stand to that creek was the main travel door of that bottom. And it was actually, that creek is actually my property line. So anything from the creek to me was on me. Um, so what I did is, and there was a big directly to the East of my stand. There was a big creek crossing. So what I did is I, I kind of cut that to the north about 40 yards from that with that wall that I of stuff I cut down and funneled that basically into that food plot so they have to go around that wall if they have to cross the creek or if they come from a neighbor crossing the creek, they got to come by that wall, which puts them within 40 to 50 yards of my tree stand. Got gotcha. you. Awesome. I love
0: it. I love it some uh, ingenuity there to pinch them down a yeah. little tighter and hold them up there for a minute you know and and be open you know you said thick it so if anything that'd be more of an open shot but i'm curious to see how that pans out
2: i was super super nervous and even even as of as of right now in, until i can get in there and hunt and see how it pans out i'm super nervous i mean i've got one spot of the farm that never gets touched never gets hunted nothing i should hunt it once every three years Um, just during the right time. I mean, that is the heart of my farm. But if you travel, you know, three, four hundred yards, that's where I've I've got the food plot. So it's not far off from the heart, but it's far enough away that I'm not, in what I've experienced of having the stand there and hunting it. When I do, I've not disturbed anything, and so far from what all my cameras are showing on that farm, I've not disturbed them by doing that but that was probably the biggest gamble i've taken so far um coming into deer i mean as far as food plots and yeah. changing what they're used to in well, such a
0: you say, critical that, area. you say
2: that but also you're taking a really good spot that's
0: been faithful in the past and you you're improving it you're you're making it even more desirable for the deer to want to come through there um
2: yeah I, I, I
0: personally love to do um altering deer completely you know trying to change their bedding areas completely um etc can be a lot more difficult versus doing it to a spot that they're already used to or that's what they're using it for etc um i i think it'll i think it'll pay out great for you
2: yeah i i figured out that i was that in cl- and the one spot of that food plot, it, if that if we get a lot of rain or the creek backs out, like one little, I don't know, probably a 30, I don't know, I don't know probably not 30, probably 15-yard diameter circle of that plot kind of floods out if we get a bunch of rain or if the creek backs out. So I figured we'll see how a year or two of the food plot goes down there. And if it does decent, I've seen a lot of guys putting, you know, digging water in holes. Um by tree stand sets or by their food sources. I don't know how, I don't know if that'd be a big benefit being that close to the creek, but I figured, cause that food plots kind of boxed in between the wall I created and the thickets on the other side. So I figured if I could get everything in that little secluded area, yeah, it, I'd probably have a little better shot. I mean, there's one, there's one thing, I mean, big bucks like that secluded or any, any deer in general. I, I mean, when you get down to it, yeah.
0: I think, I mean, anything you can do to improve a spot, you know, trial and error, that's how you learn. So, yeah. I mean, if it, you can always try and if it doesn't work, fill it back in. Like it's, yep. it's, uh, really that simple. It just, uh, takes some hard, some hard work, but it usually all pays off in the long run. So with, yeah, that, with right. that being said, I don't know if that kind of ties into the next question, I mean, pretty well does, but I was going to ask, you know, a new spot that you're looking forward to this year, but sounds like this spot is already a spot you're definitely looking forward to now this year. But is there another spot that you're really looking forward to hunting and not that spot for this upcoming season?
2: Yeah, so it's it's funny. Um, It's actually on the exact same farm, um, which I'm fortunate that is – that farm is, is my, my core farm, my home farm. Um I'm, I got a lot of permission pieces and uh I'm real limited on what you know I can do or what what you can do on a permission is, is not the same as what you can do, you know, on your own. On your own you're you're doing whatever you think would be bad. On permission you're doing whatever the landowner will give you permission to do. But sure. so on this farm, just if you go up the big ridge, go across a a big CRP field. I have a another chunk of timber in the front part of this field. So basically what it goes, it goes, we have an agriculture field, and then it goes a chunk of timber, and then a chunk of CRP field, and then back to a chunk of timber that drops down to the creek bottom. Well, on the side that... Basically, there's a grass lane that runs up along the ag field and a kind of a tree line before it hits the big timber. But that grass lane goes clear back to the CRP field, and at the end of the grass lane where it meets CRP is where the front part of the timber stops. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, it has been that way ever since I was as old old enough to remember, I guess. But there's like a 75 yard grass lane that cuts straight into the front part of the timber and that front part of the timber is roughly 35 acres and i've got two stands i got one stand that faces the ag field in the front and i just put a new one up this uh this past february march i think it's about the same time we were doing that uh food plot but I put that in there because over the past four years, I've always put a camera on there just because if anyone's trespassing, the only way to access the bag is come down that grass lane. So I've always had a trail camera on there. And what I've noticed over the years of trail cam picks there is for some reason, those deer cut across. And when I say deer, I mean, it's specifically the bucks. They come across the neighbors wide open ag field and enter right in that grass lane. And then they go into the front of the timber, which that front timber, there's no pressure. So you're, the saying, only pressure.
0: So you're saying the grass is greener on the other side.
2: Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> what it seems like, yeah. <laughs> and I and I don't know I I mean I well I do know. I mean I think there's no pressure. I mean the only time I enter in there is if I shoot a deer and it goes to the front or if we shed hunt in, you know february march april sometime in there we will shed hunt at one time I i sweep that whole farm once for sheds and that's it i just try to keep as much intrusion out as possible other than food plots or adjustments this or that so yeah i guess last year or this year early february march we uh i hung a stand about 30 yards off that grass lane and once again when the bucks are cruising they're running in and out of there because a lot of my does are not a lot. Well, a good chunk of does bed in that front. And then they drift off through the CRP and enter down into the bottom timber after. And I've got three food plots in that CRP. Um, But they come off the neighbor right into that. And so I was like, well, it's been three years and actually the second biggest deer, the first biggest deer I've had on camera Or the biggest deer I've had on that camera was in the bottom where that food plot is now made, and the neighbor ended up shooting him two years ago. Um, He he scored one, I think one ninety six as a as a typical. It was ignorant. I mean, insane. That's a giant. So then the second biggest deer, and I've only got four good pictures of him. I have a bunch of pictures of this deer, but only four good ones. Um I'd say last year he was probably in the eighties. Um the neighbor tried thinking he might have touched ninety. I don't personally think he did. I think eighties was probably good, seventies, but anyway, so he used that thing left and right. But a lot of times he'd be coming at a pretty high rate of speed into that grass lane. So when he was buzzing by my camera They were a little blurred um, to get super good pictures of them, but I got a few of them in the food plots and uh, got a couple good looks at them. So he made it through season. The neighbor texted me, um, and he actually let me take a look at him. He found one shed in his cow pasture, and the way it was described is I had some rashes planted in a food plot, and he found it five yards on the other side of the fence. So it's almost like you come out of the food plot, jump cow fence, and was heading across that pasture when he shucked one of the antlers off, and then he found the other antler down in the bottom about 80 yards from where I built that food plot, 80 to 100 yards um, from where I built that food plot in his timber. Awesome. So, anyway, so that, that is –
0: Hopefully that buck shows back up this year, right?
2: Yeah, so that that's the crazy thing. He doesn't have it, and he's got he's got a bunch – he's a big farmer down there. We've just got that one slab, and it's kind of in the middle of a bunch of his ground. And he has no velvet pictures. He, unless the deer just absolutely blew up from year to year. Um, and he doesn't know know, what deer it was, but he has no velvet pictures of that deer in the past. I don't have any velvet pictures of the deer in the past or this year yet, but the deer showed up October 27th on my farm. And the last picture I got of him was January 30th. So he's definitely homing somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but when that rut area kicks in, last year was the first year he showed up. I don't know if he liked the food between what I was ha- what I had on my farm to offer and what the neighbor had or what he chose to stay around for quite a while, but he' yet to show up yet but that that stand there there are numerous numerous mature bucks, and a lot of them are just stray bucks uh rut bucks as i like, i mean I call them rut bucks you only see them during the rut because they're coming off all the neighbors chasing does but for whatever reason they come across that wide open field and right right down that grassland it's like a, just a it's not even a a funnel but to them it's like that ag field is a funnel and they just come out right at the end in that grassland awesome well hey sounds like you
0: got some things definitely to look forward to this year and uh i hope they work out for you and we'll be watching literally and, yeah, yep. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with everyone. But hey, those are some really cool spots, all on one farm. So, looking forward to seeing what you can produce out of there, man.
2: Yeah, that uh, it that farm. I don't know. It never never sees it as to amaze. It seems like every year there's always something that spikes the interest a little more and more. Um, so we're just hoping that I've learned a lot over the years. That's the best part about deer hunting, you just you learn a lot, and hopefully one of these years I can start getting a bunch of these bucks to i got a bunch of bucks that hang around year in year out and they're getting up there in age but hopefully we can start producing some real giants off there the more i learn
0: yes sir awesome always improving and you're young yet so you got a lot to go yeah yep so all right reese well hey man i appreciate you hopping on here tonight i'm gonna hop on the phone now with chance but really looking forward to seeing what comes of those spots all righty
2: i appreciate Kyle. thanks for having me on yep see you reese
0: Bye. all right now on the phone got mr chance car liquor window liquor or car liquor how are you tonight i'm doing great how are you i'm doing pretty good doing pretty good <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds like uh last time i talked to you you said uh you got some covid going around that's uh no fun no no it's not but uh, getting through it yep especially having young kiddos man that makes it tough
1: yeah
0: but hey tonight we are talking though about tree stands or spots in particular that have been your old faithful go-to spots over the years and why they're such a why it's such a good spot and and um kind of give us the layout or the breakdown of that spot And then after we talk about that, I want to talk about a new spot that you have in mind that you want to hunt. Maybe it's one that you've thought about over the years hunting and you haven't, or maybe you picked up a new piece of property that uh, you think is going to be a dynamite spot and kind of give me the breakdown of what that looks like. So to start, though, I want to talk about that old faithful spot. Do you got one in particular, if not two, that you can think of?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a farm, I call it my south farm, that I've hunted for five, six, seven years, somewhere in there. And um, you know, because we've been on the team together, obviously, a while, but I love late season. And um, this particular spot is on a one-acre food plot. And every single season, every year, this one corner in the last week of probably December and then leading into January almost like clockwork. I have the biggest deer on the farm or the oldest deer on the farm in that corner every single year. And uh, I got to
0: stop you right there and ask you a question. Okay. Do you have, do you have those bucks on camera in velvet?
1: No, I do not
0: right there too. Or in that vicinity. Nope. No, you do
1: not. Uh, Well, let me, let me take that back there is a five acre field that butts up to it, to the West, uh, probably 30, 40 yards away. And in the past, if that is planted in beans, they will be in that field. And then it's pretty much South a little ways of a bedding area. And then if, like I said, if there's beans in there, I'll get them in the summer. But if not, typically I don't at all, even remotely close to having them like this year there's not even a single deer in that area. Okay. So it doesn't
0: matter if, if it's, it, it doesn't matter if it, if it's in corn, they're still there in
1: late season. Yeah. Okay. So I, I switched just to back up a little bit, but I switched, um, I used to plant beans in that one acre and I, now they, they just totally wipe them out. And, uh, you know, the younger deer kind of grew up and figured out that that's where the beans were. So they'd wipe them out before they're ever even mature. Sure. And then, so we switched all that and put it into completely a clover field. And uh, so food source didn't really matter, but there's a little kicker there, but we can get to that later. Sure. So, so
0: go ahead. You're, you're describing this spot now. You're saying it's more of a late season spot that usually the biggest yep. buck on the property is coming on this inside corner of yep. of, of this one acre plot, right? Yes. Okay, so give me the layout. I guess what what this uh, farm looks like. I mean, why are they, Why do you think they're they're there?
1: Uh, it's honestly kind of. I question myself myself a lot because the it's about a hundred acre farm, but this section it hunts really small, and this section it's kind of it's, there's a bottom field, woods, my small plot. And then, like I said, there's a five acre plot in the back, but it's surrounded by woods. And, but the woods are completely open; they're pretty much straight up and down oak trees. There's a few little thickets in there, but I mean, pretty small. So, um, I don't know. They just so, so, <laughs> I, so perhaps, I have no I, I have no idea why they come to that spot, but they love it. So, <laughs> and it was that
0: even before you started planting that one acre plot in beans.
1: Yeah. I remember the first year we hunted that we didn't have anything planted anywhere. And I, I'd always beg my brother-in-law to take me hunting in that. And I'm like this, there were, I remember the first time we hunted there, there was snow on the ground and there were deer tracks everywhere in that corner. And I hunted it and I, I seen some small deer in that, but I didn't know what I know now, you know, back then when I hunted it, but there were a shitload of deer tracks there. Yeah. So, so describe this corner to me. I
0: mean, what exactly is it? Is there any type of terrain difference or
1: variance? There, there between the two fields, there is a little um, ravine type thing. It's not super deep, but it's a terrain. It pretty much cuts the two fields in half, and then there's a, there's a section of timber that runs between that in that ravine. But I think they all bed to the north on the neighbors. I mean, when there's no leaves and stuff on the trees, I've walked over there. I've had permission to shed hunt over there and it gets really thick. They did a timber harvest to the north so there's more cover up that way just over the years and whatnot. but So there's that ravine and then to the north there's more cover and I think they just use it you know, as a, a wind check, I guess, if you look at the, um, the topo lines on it, every deer trail just goes perfectly with the topo lines. It's pretty wild, but it leads right to that corner.
0: Okay. So at this corner, does it, um, is this corner between it and the, the valley you're talking about?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So
0: just it, on the it, south side of it. So it kind of creates a pinch effect right there at that corner. Is it, am I seeing this right? Yeah. To,
1: yeah. A little bit. Okay. It's right where the it's right where the the ravine actually gets more shallow as you get to that corner. If you can, if I'm describing it right, it gets deeper and deeper as you go to the east. And my tree stands on the west. It's. A, if you're following the ravine.
0: Okay, so is it maybe an easier spot for them to cross, maybe?
1: Yeah, I would say, yeah. Okay,
0: okay. And I think this is where you shot that, uh, what would you call him? Uh, you shot him in January. The big eight. <laughs> yeah, the, the big eight, which was, which,
1: was def- actually a say, which
0: was definitely not an eight-pointer. <laughs> no, he wasn't. That's right. just what we
1: call them for years.
0: But. Yeah, that's a giant. So you yeah. access and exit to this spot. Tell me about that. Is it good, bad, okay? Uh, it's honestly pretty
1: bad. Uh, I got a cut. There is like a four wheeler trail that goes through the timber that leads to that plot. It actually used to be an old hog, hog pen way back in the day. But that trail leads there, and that's pretty much the only way in there. I mean, I could, I could access through that valley, but it just doesn't work right. I've tried it before and really you would cross a lot of deer paths, how they get into that plot before you ever got to the stand. So I have to come around the South side along the trail to that corner. So okay. I usually have to get there late season. I have to get there really early and freeze the whole night. <laughs> I just have to beep the deer to that plot. So gotcha.
0: So they're, they're bedded far enough away, though, if you get in there early enough, that you shouldn't yeah.
1: bump them with the right wind. Yep, because they're coming from, like I said, the neighbors, which is probably 100 yards or so at least. Okay. And, But if you hunt late season, you know that a lot of the deer can get up early enough if they're hungry enough, but you just got to get in there even earlier and dress warm. Yeah, layer up. Yeah yep
0: so throughout the other part of the season, usually not not real active
1: then in that spot, I uh, think they, they can be, but not it's definitely not a rut spot uh early season now that the clover's in there, it's actually not a terrible spot, but with the you know usually we have a south wind or a west wind, that corner doesn't work with the west wind. it'd be blown straight into the plot. I basically need a north, straight north, or a very strong north northwest wind. Okay.
0: Gotcha. So, gotcha. Well, cool, man. We, uh, well, it's definitely proven itself. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: Pretty awesome one video, other, video out the of that. Four, Go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say before we cut off that conversation or whatever, I think one of the main reasons also that they come to that corner is. There is, there's a locust tree that drops locust pods there um, and every winter, there every is. winter they, they destroy them. You got a honey tree. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right, right inside with the clover. So they're getting both.
0: If I remember they, right, if I remember right, that buck you shot,
1: I think had one in his mouth. I think so. Yeah. Cause he was, he was sitting just inside the timber eating him. Yeah, and stepped out and
0: still yes. had still have one in his mouth. Yep, that is and, one of the, and, that is one of the most overlooked things for late season. I've got out, hours and hours of video footage of all deer just smashing honey locust
1: pods. Yep, and I think that, once you get past December 15th they just they just hammer
0: them. Yep, and they just they just sit there. I mean, they won't move yep. twenty twenty yards and yep. just crush them. Definitely. And that's, that that,
1: yeah. that explains a lot more for sure. Yep. yep. And that was what I was talking about earlier that we get to, but year after year after year, I can put my, tr- I have a trail camera right on that, or probably 20, 30 yards from that, but right under that locust tree. And every single year, the biggest, I wouldn't say the biggest, but a big buck is under that tree with locust pods in his mouth. And I, you've seen the pictures over the years, but there's always a nice buck with a smoke spot hanging out of his mouth. Yep. And you can count on him being there for at least two weeks. Yep. 100%. 100%.
0: Well, cool. I love that spot. Sounds awesome. And you definitely had some proven uh, success there. Now, do you have a spot that you're excited about hunting this year that is either a new spot or a spot you've thought about hunting over the years and uh, you're going to pull the trigger
1: this year? Um, yeah, there's, I think I just pulled my, uh, a trail gamer card two or three days ago. And I got a picture of a deer that I've been after He's another giant eight pointer, just insanely wide. Chance is the king and, of eights. If you didn't. <laughs> the king of eights. That's all I'm ever after. It's all I can ever find. But, uh, yeah, he, he ended up. I don't usually put a lot of weight on shed antlers, but I found a shed antler in an area that I never go into because it's, it's the same farm. It's wide open. And I'm like, there's no reason to go over there. Why would deer be over there? Well, I found a shed antler over there and I went back to all the pictures and he kept coming from this hillside. And, um, so I'm like, I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together and I'm trying to figure out what the, where, where's the deer bed and I It doesn't make any sense, but he keeps coming from the same area. I find a shed antler on the hillside and uh, just kind of everything kind of clicked. Well, he was there early season, probably the first 10 days of season last year. And then he shed his antler there. So he goes back there late season too. The problem with that area is the wind swirls really, really, really bad. It's almost like a complete opposite wind. So, and and also every time I have them on daylight there, is or it, almost every every time on camera, it's a south wind. Is it in a so, bottom? Is it in a bottom?
0: Yes. Okay, that makes more sense for sure.
1: Yeah. And then there's a creek that runs along that. It also runs along the hillside, and uh, it's just a wild. The, the wind just does some crazy stuff down there.
0: Yeah. So are you gonna? So now a, I gotta get, a history repeats itself, and hopefully
1: get in there and tag him early season? I'm trying to because I seen him twice in the same week last year. The year before that, I seen him a couple times and I had a ton of pictures of him down there and that was him as a easier three or four then. So I mean, he's doing the same thing over and over and over again.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you know where he's going from there? Um...
1: I think so. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just wondering. Sometimes I'm just
0: wondering a, if, is is there a, is there another spot you know a higher ground where you can get a more consistent wind without I mean screwing it all up. I, I'm just curious that,
1: if that's, that's a even question. a possibility. What I would have to do, I mean, you already got you got my wheels turning because I haven't even thought of that. I, the access doesn't work unless I literally put waders on and went through the creek. It doesn't get that deep, but I probably have to put hip waders on, go past him, and then come back. And it'd be pretty risky to do that, but yeah. it might be it might be possible. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you can always try the uh, you know the the first thing that you mentioned and see if you can pull it off. See if you can get a consistent win, especially if you get a day maybe where you got like a. A, a, a good steady 15-mile-an-hour wind, not five-mile-an-hour or less variable, um, That that is going to be bad news. But if you get a consistent wind and try it, see if it works, and if you bust them or it doesn't work, then you can always try plan B. Right. Yeah, so.
1: I I know for sure one night I bumped them off the first time I see them. What it is is there's a little cove down in there where the, the creek doesn't bend. And then there's the the hillside kind of, and then the cove is like uh, CLP grass that gets mowed off, and then it kind of floods down there. And he comes down in there and eats. I'm not sure what he's eating, but he eats around down in there. Well, when that wind hits that cove, it swirls hard. Sure. Or if it's blowing over the over the trees. It hits the cove and then it swirls and does the opposite. Yep. And um, yeah, it's gonna be a tricky one, but. I have a tree picked out where I can go further back in there and climb up the creek side and probably be a couple steps and climb up in the tree and you shouldn't be able to get my in there. But that's their main cross where they cross the creek and go to the neighbors. Yep. Um, well, and and be- what, I,
0: what I like about this whole situation is it's real simple. This deer is obviously alive because he knows how to play the game. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. And if you keep keep continuing to hunt how you've been hunting, you're probably not going to get a shot. So <laughs> is it worth taking the risk? In my opinion, absolutely yes. You go okay. in and you try. And if you bump yes. him, you know what? Try again. And I'm guessing after you bumped him, you probably had another encounter too, right?
1: Yep, yeah, I should have. So know. you, didn't make, you didn't
0: make a deer go nocturnal or any bull crap like that? Nope. Exactly. And – not saying that human pressure is a good thing cuz it's not but uh i think i think it's overemphasized immensely immensely and uh there there's a there's a trend on a couple of these guys you know we've talked to on the podcast about this same same thing you know where typically if if you were to describe this location to someone or you know an avid deer hunter they would think you're crazy for, for hunting it like that. But you know, when you've got nothing else to lose, wh- what do you do? I mean, you're out of property. It's not like you're going to go hunt your neighbors. <laughs> it's not right. like a 10,000 acre chunk of public that you can just be bop around. around. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've got a hundred acres, you make it happen or you don't. It's that simple.
1: Yep. And I've been the last few years, I've been more aggressive than ever. And I take my, my lone wolf stand, which I know is not novix, but, but it's an old school lone wolf. Yep. And I'm not scared to jump tree to tree or if the wind's doing this, I'll jump over here a little bit, I'll manipulate a little bit. And uh I take, you know, my I take uh, milkweed and I'm I'm dropping that seeing what that one I'm I'm glad I hunted it li la- I did hunt it last year a couple of times. And I was literally just studying the wind the entire time. I didn't even think I was going to kill him because the wind was doing crazy stuff. So I'm just dropping it, dropping it, watching the wind, watching the wind. What's it doing? And then this winter, when I went and found the shed, I'm making calculations. You know, on okay, if the wind's doing this, I need to I need to be way over here, but it's still along the trail that he's probably going to take that thing. And I'm not scared to push the envelope. I don't care. I'm gonna. I'm trying to kill. (laughs) Yeah. And then and the best the best part is if I don't kill him down there early season and if he makes it through to late season, he goes back to that corner stand that I was talking about. Yep. Uh, You know, in the beginning of the podcast. So. Yeah, sure. As long as he don't get killed. Yep. I got two chances at him. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Well, hey, so, man, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully you having a good year and hopefully you can get a crack at that joker and make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, hey, thanks for hopping on here tonight, Chance. Appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it, and good luck with the season
0: It's coming up. Yes, yeah, sir. Looking so, forward to it. Absolutely. Right. See you, Chance. Okay, now on the phone I got Matt Lake. How are you tonight, Matt? Good. How you doing, Kyle? Pretty good. You had a uh, meet-the-teacher night, you said, right?
1: Yep. Got Amazing. a daughter going into second grade this year, so she was pretty excited to get up there and get school started and meet her teacher. So.
0: Fun stuff. My daughter meets hers on Friday. so Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah she, I'm not looking forward to that. She uh, starts school Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Wow. Well, then hopefully they can get out early, right? Yep. Right, I well. think that was the whole plan of starting early so they can get out a little earlier this next year. Yeah, that or maybe have some more snow days. Sure. Yeah. But, hey, man, tonight we're talking about favorite stand location spots and kind of laying it out, breaking it down, Uh, you know, those old faithful good spots in the past and why you think they're they're such a good spot and why they've proven themselves over the years. So with that being said, why don't you knock it out the first one and and describe that spot that's your go-to spot.
1: Well, the first first one's a spot that I learned quite a few years ago. It's actually right by my house. So uh, I pretty much can duck in right at my house, right down into a giant ravine. So it almost doesn't seem like the wind direction matters when I get way down in there. So my entrance, it's through a great big ravine. Then I kind of cut through the creek and take the creek down and it's Big tall ravines on each side of me, so it's almost even if there's a 20 mile an hour wind, I don't feel nothing down there. So I take that uh creek all the way to the edge of where my tree stand is, and I got to climb pretty much straight up that hill. And it, I got the tree stand literally right on the edge of the hill, so. There's no getting up to the top and having to walk through the timber, and it is literally right on the edge of the most perfect bedding area. Thick, nasty cedars. It is, it's legit. So I hunt that. The th- good thing about it is where this tree stand is, It's if I'm on the downwind side of that bedding area, I can hunt it on any south, west, west, or Northwest wind. So I can hunt it on a lot of different winds and it blows my wind way down over the Creek bottom behind me, which is back towards a bunch of houses. So there's not really any deer that stay back there. So it's almost a bulletproof entrance and exit because I just climb down, get right back down in the Creek and I'm out of there. So I've seen a lot of bucks over the years, run this ridge top where my stand is, you know, on the downwind side of that big doe bedding area. It's pretty much a doe bedding area. I don't even get bucks in there on camera until about probably mid-October, you know, 20th of October, they start showing up in there, and they cruise that. I got a camera every year on that ridge top, and they cruise that ridge top, and I've patterned it, it's almost always on those winds that I hunted on. I, I've seen—I don't know how many bucks run that ridge, set checking that bedding area. I've only killed a couple in there, but I've had several deer that should have got killed, and the camera saved them, or you know, misfortune here there. I'm sure I've missed a couple over the years in there. <laughs> Hate to admit that, but yep. I know I have. So basically, but.
0: basically your tree stand is pinched right – I mean, you're basically have a pinch effect between your tree stand and the bedding area. Yep. And they want to stay up top, and if they want to stay up top and they want to be on the downwind side of this bedding area, they've got to run this ridge.
1: Yeah. They have to run – they run this ridge top and set check that whole bedding area that's all out in front of me.
0: Yep, and you climb up this bluff and hop straight up into your tree – and yep. and so if anything does come behind you, which is very, very it, unlikely, but if they did, your wind is casting way over them. Oh, way over them. Yeah. Probably a hundred feet over them. Wow. Wow. That sounds like a dynamite setup.
1: It, it, I don't think I've ever been winded in that tree. Not to say that it hasn't happened and I didn't know it. Right. But I hunting those winds, I've never once been blown that in that tree stand. Wow. Even, even when I have seen deer back behind me, you know, down in the bottom, they never acted spooky, never winded me. And another thing, even if they do come to me, they come up this giant ravine straight up the hill to me and my scent's blowing over top of them the whole time. Right. So the mo- the most they would ever catch is my ground scent. Sure. If they walk this where I walk.
0: Sure. So when they get out of their bedding area, where are they, where's where their destination from there?
1: So right where my tree stand is, it kind of pinches down and it's between two ag fields. There's one on the other side and there's, th- there's one on the south side and there's one on the north side. And then this bedding kind of goes right out between the two. So they kind of filter by me. It's a big oak flat. They'll hit that oak flat and then they go out to the ag fields. I, I, I mostly hunt it in the mornings because even though that tree stand is right on the edge of that bluff, getting in it in in an afternoon is a little dicey because they bed all over in there. So even though I'm getting right into that tree, it still makes me a little nervous. So if I hunt this spot, I'm either hunting it in the morning and hunting all, usually it's, it's one of my all day spots. You know, trying to catch those bucks cruising through there. Right. Yeah. And
0: so, I mean, you're you're literally right on the bedding.
1: Yes, so. literally. I've I've come. I've crested that hill and had bucks literally bedded twenty yards from me before, and set countless does. And I've been able to get up in the tree. Usually, what I'll do is I'll stay at the bottom of the tree you know, just over that crest and I'll let those deer get up and mingle and kind of get off and then I'll go up the tree if I'm hunting an afternoon, yep. puts me in the tree a little late, but at least I don't blow them out of there.
0: Sure. Sure. Man, that is a dynamite right. spot. I love the setup of that for sure. So with that being said, you got a second go-to spot that's been Old Faithful?
1: The second go-to spot for me is a spot on uh, some family owned ground and it is almost to a T the exact same setup. The only issue is it's almost got to be easterly winds. You know, we get southeast and northeast quite a bit, but east is really the best wind for it. But I don't know what it is about an east wind. I go through a giant ravine popped right up into that tree stand. It's the same deal, right on the edge of the bluff, and it is right on the edge of another huge, thick, Cedar, autumn olive, it, it is nasty in there. You can hardly walk in it. And then on the back side of it is uh, probably like a 10 acre grain field. It's either in corn or beans each year. And then behind me is alfalfa. So they kind of go between the two, checking those, you know, ag fields and then they check the hay fields and all that stuff. But it's the exact same way. It, and I don't know what it is about an east wind, but for me, every time I hunt that on a straight east, I could just about guarantee I see a good buck in there. And I don't know why that is.
0: Well, is mean, a heard- straight east wind on the perfect downwind side of the of the bedding area then? I'm assuming. Yeah,
1: it, it, it's exactly on the downwind side. Yep. But I've heard a lot of people say they don't see a lot of deer on an east wind, a straight east.
0: No, I think, uh, that, I, don't I, think know. I think you're talking about fishing. Uh east east to fish bite the least. Oh, maybe that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, you and your dang fishing. Don't mix that up <laughs> with, don't mix that crap up with hunting, dang it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't care what what direction it's blowing fishing, I'm going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amen. Yeah, but, east but, east winds I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's bad luck on east winds. Um I had a couple spots that were really, really good on east winds. In fact, the no, it wasn't straight east, but um, the morning I killed Uno was southeast. Switch from a door. Okay. Switch from a northwest to a southeast overnight, um, and that's one of my favorite spots too.
1: So. Yeah, just I, I've noticed too, just like uh, I've heard Mark Drury say a bunch of times that the first south wind after a bunch of norths is always a dynamite day, and I, I've noticed that too. Oh yeah, for sure,
0: or vice versa, you know. Right. South to north, north, north south. to south. Yeah, for sure. Definitely have noticed that. Yep. Hundred percent. Well, that's uh, another really good spot. So, well, I guess I guess if you have westerly winds, you can hunt the spot by the house, and eastern. Yep. In any, anything easterly, you uh, you go to the family farm.
1: It's pretty much what I do during the rut. I kind of bounce between those two spots, and then I got a lease out another spot, but I least with a, you know, a couple other guys. And uh, I think I hunted it twice last year. So I, I don't really go there unless, you know, I just don't have anything at the other spots because the, the guys I lease with, they don't have a lot of hunting spots. So I kind of just leave it for them for the most part, but. Sure. Sure. Well, do you got any uh, bucks you're looking forward to seeing this year? Yeah, I've, I've got one. I've got one deer in mind this year, and it's going to be my main goal is to kill that buck. I could almost care less. I lied. I got two bucks that are on two different farms that are my probably my only deer I'm going to shoot this year i I've got one at the house. he's a double split g two buck last year. he was probably one sixty five to probably push and boom. And I only had one daylight picture of that deer. And it was like the 25th of October. And the last two years I've had that deer, the last week of October, I've gotten either last year I only got one, but the other years I've gotten several daylights of them that last week. So instead of taking my typical, you know, second week of November and third week of November vacation, I think I'm going to use one week for the last week of October there you go. and kind of hunt off a of history on that deer and just kind of hope he'll do the same thing he's done the last couple of years. And I know it's kind of unprecedented, but I'm probably going to pull some all day sits because when I get him on camera, the last couple of years, it's been like ten thirty, eleven, sometimes noon, a couple of pictures I got of them is around noon. So he, he should be a giant this year. I don't haven't got a picture of him yet, but usually he doesn't even show up till late September, kind of mid October type deal. So it's nothing. I'm worried about whether he's gonna show up. It's when he's gonna show up. Yep, yep, hundred percent. And then I got another deer over just a couple miles from the house on a piece I hunt, and it was a three and a half year old buck I had in 2019. Beautiful ten pointer. And he he disappeared. He had two great big kickers by his brows. And last year, I had easily a 170-inch deer, typical six-by-six with two kickers, matching kickers down by his brows, big ones. So I think it's the deer that I had in 2019, and he showed back up. So that's a deer I'm pretty excited about. And I, I got one daylight of him last year, and that's it. So, if I'm guessing, that one's going to be a shot in the dark. Well, guess what? It'll, it'll, it'll have to be a lot of luck to kill you, that deer. But you you only need one daylight. That's right.
0: With you right there, 20 yards from him.
1: <laughs> and, and one thing that I've I've relied on too much over the years, and I think a lot of people rely on trail cameras and daylight pictures. Yep. 100%. Too much. Yep. Because I've had deer. Literally, I've seen them on multiple sits and never got a picture of them. Not a night picture, not a daylight picture. Yep, They're there. And I'm a firm believer a lot of times they, they avoid camera. Oh, yeah. Yep. Every deer is They different. know they're there. They avoid them.
0: Yep. Some a deer. lot of deer. Yep. Some deer don't mind them at all. Another deer, they will do
1: whatever it takes to avoid it. Yep. 100%. So, I've definitely tried to get out of the... Psyching myself out that I don't have pictures of them. I just hop my game, try to do as much as I can to keep everything in my favor, and kind of go from there. Yes, sir. Well, dude, that's
0: exciting. I'm uh, I'm pulling for you this year, and I, I love the sounds of those two spots, and you know they sound pretty bulletproof, honestly, uh, both of them. So
1: they definitely are. They're two, uh, entrance and exit, as you know, are the most important things about a a tree stand set up and they, they are bulletproof to get in and out of. That's my favorite thing about them. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, cool, man. Hey, looking forward to seeing what you lay down this year, but I appreciate you hopping on tonight and chatting. Absolutely, man. And I know it's you good had, talking to you. had all that teacher stuff, fun stuff, but uh, season will be here before we know it. I can't wait. Yes, sir. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for hopping on again, man. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Bye. Bye. All right, and that is going to be a wrap on this part two of the podcast. And man, this was a fun podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed this podcast. And if you're anything like me, it had my wheels turning the whole time. Some of these spots I was thinking, man, there's no way I'd want to do that. And some of these spots I'm just thinking, yup, yup, yup. Like that is, that's the money spot, you know? And one thing that I picked up out of all this, not not everyone's was this way but the vast majority the biggest trend that i noticed in talking to all of these guys is finding those natural pinches you know whether it doesn't matter if it's on a field edge it doesn't matter if it's you know in the heart of the timber etc finding those natural pinches it can be the contour of the land it can be a bluff of a creek uh it can be so many other different things but finding that corridor that pinches down, you know, and and for the majority of us, we're bow hunting. So they need to be within bow range, obviously. And just finding these pinch areas and so many great access and exit uh, descriptions that these guys gave. You know, some of them are pretty dicey and are, you know, probably not ideal to a lot of listeners. And I, I had the same thought. I'm like, eh, I want, I don't know if I would – if I would do that or not. But then you look at it and like, well, some of these guys are having some consistent success on big deer, big mature deer, and they're pulling it off. And I think a lot of it has to do with the timing of the year. And one thing I noticed too is, you know, I kind of mentioned it with, with chance that I I do think there is an overemphasis. I, I truly do. And I'm sure this is going to call out the critics I don't really care, but I think there is an overemphasis on, on the pressure. I mean, I'm not saying pressure is good by any means, human pressure, but you know, when I think back just eight years ago, 10 years ago, people were saying you bump a deer, you're going to make them go nocturnal, you know, which is, I have found never to be true ever. Not one buck I've ever hunted, killed anything, um, a buck that I was hunting, and if I bumped him, never went nocturnal. Of course, I got pictures of him at night, but I also got pictures of him during the day, and I killed him during the day. So that wasn't true. Uh, you know, anytime that you can avoid the human pressure and have the bulletproof access and exit, absolutely, that's what you want. But there's going to be those circumstances, and let's face it, you've got so many places to hunt. And, you know, if your hands are tied, this is all you've got to hunt. Uh, we're not out there to spectate. We're not out there to, you know, bird watch, you know, and and we wanna hunt. I'm not saying you you're, you're gonna go every day. Obviously that's not ideal. I do feel that hunting less is more uh, in the long run. But when the time's right and everything is lining up, I'd say push the envelope. I mean and I used to never really say that, but after listening to these guys and, and chatting with them and talking about our spots I I do believe there is a time and place, you know, that you need to get aggressive. You need to get in there and pull your punches. Uh, you know, especially just talking to Chance in his spot, you know, his hands are tied. He can sit back like he's done in the years past and not get an opportunity at the buck. Or he knows what he needs to do, but he's just skeptical because the wind's going to swirl. He's got to try it. I mean, otherwise you're not going to catch that break. So – what do you, at that point, what do you have to lose? And I, I just, I just feel like there is so much overemphasis on that. And there's a, there's a lot to learn from that and not saying that's, you know, the hundred percent truth right way, but you know, that's something I really picked up over listening to all of these guys and you know, that pinch in that corridor or finding that contour, just something a little different. It seems like you know, whether, you know, JP was talking about on public finding this super thick spot and he's going to hunt in this drainage where they're crossing back and forth. And there's, you know, fields that's got a waterway that jets out, you know. Otherwise, it's just a plain Jane square field. And they're running the contour of that waterway. Uh, just so many different variables and so many different types of sets. I, I thought this was an awesome podcast. And hopefully... This gets you guys' wheels turning and, you know, can make some plans and adjustments and, and know what to look for when you go to pick a spot to hang a stand, whether that's on public or private. Uh, just that's always been my thing is, is pinch areas. I've, I always call myself an edge hunter, and what I mean by that is a, an edge of a field, an edge of a creek, an edge of a bluff, It can be so many different things and I'm looking for that pinched down area where these deer want to be inside the timber and have to go through this pinch or the other, the other, um, the other alternative that they would have to do would just not make sense, would not make sense to them. They probably ideally wouldn't do it. Um, that's what I'm looking for and a lot of these scenarios that were described in this podcast, you know, definitely highlighted that exact same thought. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast and I would appreciate it if you guys would let us know what you thought about it. And if you think that we're crazy or think that we're wrong, you can tell us that too, whatever, but uh, definitely got my wheels turning. And I know a lot of the other guys we've been talking, its it's got their wheels turning too. So really enjoyed it and. Thanks for sticking along to this point. I know it's two long ones, but uh, they were really good. So enjoy.